Hello, lovelies. Welcome to the Fat Joy Podcast, where we talk each week about how to flourish in an anti-fat world. I'm Sophia Apostle, a fat professional coach who loves talking to other fat people about what it's like to live within oppressive systems that marginalize our bodies and how we still dare to have the audacity and courage to reach towards our collective liberation and embrace our joy. Please know this is an adult content podcast, so there will be swears. We will be talking about harms we've experienced, and we will be rebelling against weight stigma, diet culture, fat phobia, ableism, racism, etc. You can get more Fat Joy goodness, including how you can support the podcast through my newsletter at fatjoy.substack.com. And for episode transcripts, book reviews, and show notes, head to the Fat Joy website at fatjoy.life. I am so glad you're here. Enjoy this episode. Hello, lovelies. Welcome back to the Fat Joy Podcast. I am Sophia. And with me today is Jenna Doak. Hi, Jenna. Hi. So I met Jenna, or I was introduced to Jenna through the founder of the creative writing studio that I work for, Chris K. Frazier. Shout out to Chris because she's such a huge support. (laughs) And Chris was like, I think you should talk to Jenna. I think she'd been doing some work with you. So of course I said, absolutely. And then Jenna and I started chatting. We had a phone call or a Zoom call. And then Jenna, you graciously and generously gifted me some passes to the classes and I'm like hooked on body positive fitness I went to all five classes I did five different ones I did like a Zumba to the 90s which was amazing a boxing one which was great I loved your 30 minute morning kind of kind of body based like body weight lots of different levels one and I just it it made movement really accessible because it's through Zoom. I could just like pop upstairs for half an hour into my office, which is where I was doing the workouts. And I really love what you've created. And I'm so glad we're here to talk further about it, Jenna. So huge welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was just saying to Chris, uh, was it? I think it was yesterday I was training and uh, I was like, Sophia came to all of the classes like right away. We always like gift a pass to people that we do collaborations or interviews with. And sometimes people come to like try one. And I was like, you were all over it. it was oh, exciting. I was all over it. <laughs> yeah. Because awesome. I've really struggled with finding movement that works within my schedule because my schedule's a little bananas. I have five coaching companies I work for. So my clients are all over the place. I work with different time zones. And then I teach writing workshops in the evening. So like I need to not drive anywhere. I need to be able to just like find like either an early morning or like a half hour segment in my schedule. Like, and so this, I, so I've been searching for years to find something and I just found this worked so well for me, Jen. I was like, oh, sign up, sign up, sign up, sign up. And it was so easy with the app. Like you've just, you've got it really worked out well. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I had so much fun. And all the instructors were great. I did a couple classes with you and a couple with others. And okay, so I've totally gone off the rails because I've been raving about you. So let's start with, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself, Jenna. Yeah, uh, I'm Jenna. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. I am the co-founder and head trainer at Body Positive Fitness. 
my story in fitness goes back a very, very, very long time. My first job ever when I was probably 13 or 14 for a family member, which I think makes it legal <laughs> to work that young. I don't know. <laughs> my, first, my first job ever was like working at a gym, folding towels, clean, cleaning the mirrors because I have an uncle who owned gyms when I was growing up. So it was just like, you get a job, you get a job, come help us on weekends, right? So I was so involved and immersed in the fitness world from such a young age. And then as soon as I was old enough to get certified as a personal trainer, which is at 18, I got certified as a personal trainer. So my life in fitness goes back a long way. Um, more of my life in fitness is toxic fitness industry than it is body positive liberation. That was a later in life journey that I was very lucky to embark on. Yeah. And when you say toxic fitness, like what, what does that mean to you? Um, it being all about what you look like and body comparisons and always striving to change something, reaching a certain weight or having a certain muscle tone or working on a certain part of your body, comparison, competition, aggressiveness. It's, there's a lot. Yeah. And you know, I don't think many of us know that there can be a different way to engage with physical activity. Cause like I didn't know that until probably a few years ago, <laughs> like when I was in my, you know, body liberation journey. Yeah. No, for sure. And like back then when I started working in gyms and even when I got certified as a personal trainer, there wasn't there wasn't joyful movement. There wasn't a gym that wasn't going to measure you or check your weight or tell you that you need to change something. I would say all of that is still fairly new. And I hope that it starts to make a bigger dent in what fitness is. I do think it is starting to. People are starting to question the whole industry, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's about time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I guess, so I was an athlete growing up. I was a soccer player and a swimmer and kind of was steeped in a lot of the, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't have known it as toxic. It just was what it was, you know, like lose a few pounds, Sophia, so you can move faster in the water or, you know, these kind of expectations around strength and body size. And the other thing that was, and then like going to gyms, I remember kind of, stealing myself to get through kind of this mandatory intake that they did where they would because basically I think what they were trying to do was sell sell private training which is very expensive and they would do all these like assessments of your body and basically tell you how horrifying your body is to them and along all these scales and they would take these before and after photos and then it got more sophisticated I remember going to I think a good life I think it was the last time I went was maybe I don't know, maybe eight, nine years ago. And they had like taken these photos of me and like put them into a computer and showed me like what I look like now uh, and then what I could look like. And they like manipulated the image. I mean, I was just, it was just horrifying. I was like, dudes, I just want to work out, like get out of my way. And, and then just everything about the space doesn't feel good and everyone's eyes on. And it's such a weird thing that we do with fitness and how it's been so commoditized. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And that, that just reminded me. So before I was a personal trainer, I wasn't old enough to be a personal trainer, but I was old enough to do the assessments. 
So I was put in charge of doing assessments for a while when I was probably 16, 17. And so I have grown ass women coming in to see me and I'm a kid and I'm measuring their body, three parts of your thigh, three parts of your arm, your chest, the small of your waist, the big of your waist, your neck, writing it all down, taking your body fat with the calipers, like actually pinching people and then telling them that they're wrong. Like, who am I to know that that their body shouldn't look like that? You know? So yeah, it's so, it's so bad. And then when I moved to Toronto and started working as a personal trainer at a big gym, big known gym in Toronto, um, people wouldn't get their membership cards until they did the assessment. So you couldn't, so you would go in, you'd sign up on the first floor, buy your membership. And then you'd have to book your assessment. And then that's when you'd get your physical cards that you could swipe in. So you couldn't have that until somebody tortured you. Yeah. What? That's, that's, uh, yeah, that kind of gatekeeping. And it's all about upselling. Like it's all about upselling to personal training. To It's almost like shaming you into getting a personal trainer. Cause I imagine that's where they make most of the money. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We all have quotas like that you're trying to hit every month. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't hit your quota for, I'm going to say the gym is extreme fitness because it doesn't, it's not alive anymore. It's gone under, it got bought, it got bought out. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people know that name, but yeah, you would have quotas that you have to hit. And if you don't hit them, they can fire you as a personal trainer. So we're working our asses up off trying to sell thousand dollar packages. Yeah. And I imagine if there was training, it probably wasn't about empowering the people to buy training. It was probably about shaming them into wanting to change their body. Yeah. Yeah. And then buying more. So if you didn't get the results that I told you you could get in four weeks, you probably need to train more. So maybe we need to do this twice a week instead of once a week or, you know, so it never ends. Which again, brings it back to that whole thing with anti-fatness, which is that the refusal to acknowledge that some bodies are just the way they are, or all bodies are the way they are. And there's actually a real limited ability to change it dramatically. But what happens is when the results aren't achieved, then it's the individual's fault. They did something wrong. They must have been cheating on their food. They must have not actually been working out the way they said they would. Like it just all gets back put on like the individual did something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody lasts. Nobody lasts because it's a horrible environment to be in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm having flashbacks and it's stressing me out. Um, so let's talk about um, your relationship to the word fat and then that'll allow us to just really transition into what you've created as an alternative. So what has been your journey with the word fat? <laughs> well, growing up, it was the worst thing you could be just like everybody thinks, right? And then being immersed in the fitness industry, I was constantly in a battle with my body trying to not only just not be fat, but be what the ideal personal trainer is supposed to look like. So I worked so hard. And when I say worked so hard, I was just like literally killing myself. I was sick. I was, I was not eating. And when I was eating, I was bringing up what I was eating and I was sleeping so that I wouldn't eat and working out every day and all the supplements in the world, just fighting my body to try to be what a personal trainer is supposed to be. And yeah, so my relationship with my body and what fat was, was so distorted more than 
more than the regular person, I would say. Um, and yeah, I taught all of my clients and everybody around me for a long time that it was also the worst thing you could be. And where I've come from there, it just like, I don't even know who I was then because I wasn't anything except for this young, naive girl who was so insecure that I thought I had one one path to go in life that was look a certain way, you know? So it's really like sad that I wasted so many years being that person, but I wouldn't have come to where I am today if I didn't go through that and feel so strongly about how I do on the other side. Um, so yeah, when I started to heal my relationship with food and fitness and coming out of the fitness industry and looking at it from a different lens, I really felt like I was like coming out of a cult. Yeah. What prompted that? Like what prompted the shift away? Did something go happen in your life? Was there a transition? There was a bunch of things that happened all at once and they all kind of tied in together. Um, one of them was I met my partner that I have now and somebody loved me for who I was and not the fitness, not the fitness Jenna. Um, I had a knee, I had a knee injury that was so bad that I could not hardly walk. For almost for almost a year, so it kind of stopped me oh, from working wow. out. Wow! Yeah, and reflecting on like who I was if I wasn't working out and chasing a certain body type. Lots of love, identity crisis. Yeah, <laughs> it's making sense. And then social media, like Instagram, was kind of just becoming a thing at the time, and I came across like body posy panda, right? Like yeah, first- yes people that were talking about this and and I was finding some other personal trainers who were being open about their eating disorders. And I was like, Oh, I don't have to live like this. The fitness industry has like corrupted my mind because I started in the fitness industry so young. It's all I know. Right. So those three things all happening at the same time started something. Yeah. When you saw, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. When you saw, other people talking about their eating disorders, disordered eating with fitness. I'm always, for me, what I've experienced and certainly what I've talked to clients about too, is this feeling of, oh my God, I thought I was the only one. And there's this moment where you realize you're not alone and it can be so profound, especially for things like eating disorders. Yeah. And especially when I found people who specifically were personal trainers and in the fitness industry, because I always thought it's not fair that I have to work this hard and everybody else in the fitness industry is just fit. Yeah. Not knowing that everybody in the fitness industry has an eating disorder. Oh my God. Is it really that prevalent? Like I actually don't. Oh, geez. Because no, because your livelihood is based on it. It's kind of like no one wants to go to a hairstylist who's got terrible hair. No one wants to go to a fat trainer. Like, and that is so fucked up. Yeah. And it's just so normalized that nobody realizes that it's not normal. Like, it's not normal that we're all microwaving our boiled chicken breast and plain broccoli every day for lunch and then having a protein and water mid-afternoon but it's so normal to eat like that in the fitness world that it's not questioned and the supplements like you go backstage in a fitness like where the staff hang out it's just supplements everywhere i'm like that's not normal like vitamins like vitamin d no. or like oh okay no. so tell, so explain <laughs> like illegal supplements 
like ephedrine and caffeine and hydroxychloroquine and yeah, fat burners that like, <laughs> and who knows something that some trainer over there said, you should take this. Okay. Why not? Pre-workout, post-workout, everything. It's just supplements and it's, it's all just a bunch of garbage, but everybody thinks it's going to make their body a certain way and make them perform a certain way, which sure it does, but at what cost? Yeah, I was going to say, I imagine there's a lot of impacts on the body with that type of stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I started taking, I don't know, hydroxycut. You know, all those old, like, effort that you buy at the supplement store when I was, like, 14. And they let you buy it, which is so weird. Yeah. Oh, so anyway. <laughs> normalized. Coming out of it and, like looking at it from the outside in i was like wow yeah and why is everybody striving to look like that right it's kind of amazing that you even had that moment though because i can imagine being away from it and almost like wanting to double down i will do anything to get back because that's the world that you know and it's comfortable and it makes sense so to actually look outwards and walk away from it that's a like that takes a lot of courage jenna yeah, but I was also so sick that I had to start looking at what I was doing. And I wasn't just physically sick. I was mentally sick. I was super anxious all the time. I was super insecure. I was aggressive. I I slept a lot. I was injured all the time. Um, I had I had breast implants as well because that was also part of my journey of becoming a fitness model. And then I got really sick from the breast implants. Turns out the breast implants and the knee injury, they were related yeah so then i started to also look, i also started to look into like breast implant illness and what breast implants were doing to people and it's showing up in people's joints like arthritis because your body is reacting to a foreign substance oh my gosh i had i've never heard that oh my god i'm learning so much from you right now <laughs> go into that world and i'm like oh my gosh like am i having all these issues because of my breast implants as well and then I found out that one of my implants was ruptured. So that was a blessing in disguise because then OHIP covered taking it out. Uh, both of them or just the one? Both of them. Both of them. And if otherwise, if I wanted to get them removed, it would have cost me like $10,000. So I was lucky that I was able to get them removed. And when I got them removed, my whole body kind of like settled down because it was not fighting something anymore. So... There was all of these things going on within like the same two years. And then, and then I was like healing from a bunch of things at the same time, physically, mentally. Wow. Were you working at this time too, or were you totally off? No, I was working um, with my knee being in such rough shape. I was wearing a knee brace and I couldn't really demonstrate much of anything. I was kind of limping around for almost a full year. Um, but I had, I had clients that I'd had for like a decade so they knew me and they were understanding and they didn't need me to demonstrate that much. Um, so yeah, I worked through all of it. I think I took off maybe a month after I got my breast implants removed, but then I was right back to it. Um, I actually just ran my very, very first body positive movement class three weeks before I got my breast implants taken out. So it really all happened at the same time. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you went right from that kind of gym world into being like, no, this is, I got to create something else and then directly created body positive fitness. 
Yeah. So it started with, um, I was like, I was so turned off by the gym industry and being there. And because I was like going through this journey on my own and gaining weight and people in the industry were noticed that I was gaining weight and there were people talking about me behind my back. And like, even the owner of the gym I worked at said like, I've let myself go and she can enjoy her 15 minutes of fame in her fat body because the news was starting to talk to me and stuff. So anyway, I, uh, I was like, I want out of this gym environment and I, rented space from a artscape young place in Toronto and ran the very first body positive movement class out of there to show people you don't need a gym. You don't need this environment. You don't need these people. You can move your body here with me. And so I had only ran those from, yeah, I want to say maybe like six, six classes. And then I had to take time off to have this surgery. And then I came back to it. Wow. Wow. That's a huge shift. Um, I'm really curious if we think back to those kind of like first six classes, because I imagine there's things that you still do, but I imagine there's also been a lot of like kind of improvements, shall we say, that you've made with how you do it now. But when you think back to those six classes, for you at that time, kind of want this desire to do something differently, to create safer space for people to show up in their bodies as they are, what did you intentionally do to have it feel different, have that environment feel different from gym culture? Yeah. When I first started those classes, I really thought it was going to be just targeted to like plus size women. Um, because that's what I was starting to identify as. And I was like, we need a space that's not this. And quickly I realized it's not just plus size women who need a space that's not the fitness industry. There were so many other avenues that people came from that made them feel excluded from mainstream fitness. And then in the grand scheme of things, I realized most people feel excluded from mainstream fitness. It really isn't your body size or type. There's so many other elements to it. So I learned that very quickly. But yeah, when I first started advertising it, it was there's no mirrors, there's no scales, there's no talking about body size there's no goals we're not setting goals we are literally just coming to move um it was on a drop-in basis like come as you are when you want if you come once a month or you come twice a week doesn't matter to me um like this is the type of language i used when i was talking about it and i talked about it it's so funny it's because it's not that long ago but like i put up posters in my neighborhood <laughs> like it wasn't just on the internet. Like, and I had like, I was putting postcards in like bus stations and whatnot. And it was a good turnout, right? Oh, I was going to say, were you worried that people wouldn't show up? I was, I was worried at first. I was excited about it. Like I was so excited if three, if three people came, you know? Um, and it, I think the first class there was maybe like 25 people. And I came home just like, the highest I've ever been and was so excited. I'm like, I've been teaching fitness for over 10 years at this point, And I've never felt so excited to teach fitness. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. What were some of those early comments that you got in the, like even after the first class, like I can just imagine, I remember going into my first kind of space that I felt like my body was okay. And it was almost like I wanted to weep because I was just honored at being so seen. Did you like, how were the, yeah. There was so such a range of like feelings 
in that space, which was so cool. Because not only like there, yes, there were tears and thank yous and people so excited to have a space like this. But then there was also like this like badassery, like nobody cared about what they were wearing. People were losing shirts during the workout, like working out in their sports bras, not thinking twice about it. And I'm like, in every gym class I've ever taught and been in, nobody's ever done that. No matter what size you are, you know, like you could just tell that everybody felt so liberated and so comfortable. So yeah, there was like this emotional side of it, but there was also like this, like almost like aggression. Yeah. And like the mix of those with like our music and just like, there are people, there are lots of people now who are still like best friends because they met on that day one or week one. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't even just about that. Like they all found each other. Yeah. Like that makes me want to, I'm tearing up. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they got to be really who they are and be seen in a different way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unencumbered. Oh my God. I could totally just ball right now. I cried after every class. Right? How could you not? I cried. I cried watching the people do Kizzy Zumba. Did you? No, I always do. (laughs) So yeah, like five years later, it still like chokes me up for sure. Well, and I think the fact that, that there is such emotion being like, I'm just so aware of my body right now. Like I am so filled with emotion at the thought of the freedom that people can feel the connection to their bodies when there is a space that purposefully, intentionally, essentially kind of demands that we unlearn what we've been told about our bodies our whole life. Like, I mean, that is, that's just fucking powerful. It really is. Yeah. So though, so then you took some time off and then, and then what happened? Did you start to build the business in a bigger way? Yeah. So then I, so yeah, I was just teaching the one or two class, two classes a week, I think out of the West end of Toronto. And then when I came back, went back into it and then we started teaching out of the east end of Toronto. We started teaching out of a library. We It was just me at the time. <laughs> but now there's so many of us. I always refer to it as we. But then I just started teaching about, about different places in Toronto. Um, and then I did have to bring it back to the gym because people wanted to lose, uh, lose weight. See, it's in my head. Use, people wanted to use weights, right? We were always doing right. People wanted to use the weights that, so we were doing all body weight stuff. And then they would see like my Instagram and see my personal training sessions that were at the gym. Like, well, we want, we want to do deadlifts. We want to do this. So then the Bopo lift class started at the gym. So I actually told the owner of the gym at the time that I will not be bringing my new business to you for you to profit off of i will rent i will rent your space you can make money off me that way but if i'm gonna bring this here it's my business not yours yeah i didn't want him talking i didn't want him talking to my clients like yeah well you get really protective when you create that kind of space yeah that's why i was going to ask how did you so then you were in an environment that is normally quite toxic how did you kind of bubble up your people how did you take care of them in that space yeah so for the classes there was a studio that was like separate from the gym floor 
So it was like, people did still have to be around, like coming into the front desk, going to the change room to get changed, do what they need to do, and then walk to that studio. But then once we were in that studio together, it was like the rest of the world like disappeared. Right. And I was very protective of everybody. Like, don't talk to them. Don't try to sell them things. I would straight up just tell the, the, my coworkers, coworkers would not cross the line with me. They knew, <laughs> they knew the owner of the gym may have. Um, and yeah, I probably tried to a few times, but yeah, I was pretty vocal about everything. Yeah. Cause I would just go find somewhere else if that was going to be the case. Uh, fortunately, I guess. And unfortunately it was a really cool space. Like it was an awesome space to work out of. So I wanted to be there and it worked out for a couple of years before the pandemic. Hit. Okay. Yeah. And so during all this time, were you still on your own journey with embracing fat liberation, body positivity? Like, were you learning kind of along with your clients? How, like, how did that work? Yeah, absolutely. And I would say I still am. And uh, you probably know anybody who is on this journey. It's a forever now journey. It's not a, you get to a destination and you're just there. Obviously, like a lot of things are a lot more natural for me and a toxic beliefs I had before are much further away, but I wouldn't say that they're ever gone. Um, and yeah, I learn a lot with trying to teach clients this new way of thinking. Uh, there are different obstacles that you come to or questions or scenarios that make you step back and think about it. So yeah, it's constantly a learning process for sure. Like, what do you hear from people? What are some of those questions? Like, what do people often, because I imagine if people are coming to something called body, body positive fitness, they're, they're, they're open, they're curious. They probably know a little something about body positivity. So like, what are you hearing from people? Do they come and they are still like, oh, but I do really want to lose weight. Like, like where, like, what do yeah. you hear? Yeah, there is like, people will blame being uncomfortable on their size. Oh, I'm just not comfortable. And it's digging into like, what is physically uncomfortable? Is it your clothes? Or are you in pain? Okay, so your joints are hurting. So you're blaming that on your weight because you've been told your whole life that it's because of your weight. Hello, it's Sophia, and I'm jumping into this episode to invite you to subscribe, rate, and review the Fat Joy podcast. If you've been enjoying the guests and their stories, please let the algorithms know by subscribing, giving us a five-star rating, and leaving us a review. You'll be helping raise awareness of Fat Joy because then we'll get ranked higher on the podcast charts. I mean, we're already in the top 2.5 globally, which is amazing, but I want top 1%, please. I love doing this podcast and creating the platform for guests to share their stories. So I would be so grateful if you can help me keep doing that by subscribing, rating, and leaving a review. Thank you, lovely. Okay, back to the episode. Well, let's treat you like you were a thin person with joint issues. Like what else could be causing that? Strength training, flexibility, mobility, all of this type of training is what we're going to do anyway. So let's do that and see what happens. And most of the time, 
people's pain, aches and pains and complaints, they do go away without losing weight. It's just about like, oh, you haven't moved your body in this way and you're tight and your muscles are pulling and your joints aren't well lubricated. Like all of these things that come with movement. So then if someone's training with me for a while and now they're not experiencing these pains and they're the same size, often people will come up with another reason why they need to lose weight. It's so deep in us. It's so deep. And it's like, you they think it has to be like the answer for something, right? Um, I would say from the beginning of my fat liberation journey, body positive journey, whatever you want to call it, I probably put on, I don't know because I don't weigh myself, but I, I was to guess, I would say maybe close to 100 pounds. And my body has never felt better. When I was that fitness obsessed, Jenna, everything hurt. All of my joints were out of whack. I always had a bad back. I always had a headache. My heart rate was through the roof. Now I'm like so much calmer. My mental health is so much better. My joints don't hurt. Well, they do now because my pregnancy, <laughs> but they didn't. <laughs> and everything was easy. Everything is easy now. So when I compare those two, it's like, you can't blame my weight for anything because it's not, it's not your weight in 95% of the cases that are causing any of these issues that you've been told that they are, that it is. Yeah. I just want to pause for people to like hear what you just said, because you've been doing this for a long time now. You've worked with lots of people and it's really clear that if you build up the body itself, like, like you said, with like flexibility and strength and stamina, that often helps what people are struggling with. And it's not about weight and the need to lose weight. It's, yeah, oh, it's infuriating to me that that is just still the first thing. And like you said, I, you know, we t I've talked about this on the podcast a lot around, um, and my guests have too, like when you go to the doctor, if they say, well, you gotta lose weight, say the response is, okay, well, what's the advice you would, the medical advice, the evidence-based medical advice you would give me if I was a thin person? And you're kind of bringing that into the fitness as well, which is, okay, well, if, you were a thinner person, a non-fat, a straight-sized person, what would we be doing with this this body challenge? Yeah. No, it's it's definitely it's a it's a lot of work to to try to change your literal brain wiring. Like if you've been taught this since you were a kid and it's what's around you, it's not just as easy as going, okay, I believe you. I'll change my way of thinking. It's not, it's not that, you know, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of great studies out there, a lot of great books, people writing about their experiences, history books. Um, the co-owner of Body Positive Fitness, Pat, they run a book club every month teaching about this stuff, you know, and we encourage people to step away from the fitness side of it and go learn about it from another like point of view, another standpoint. Um, because that's how it's going to make its way into your brain, not just by someone telling you that it should be this way now. Yeah, no, it is that whole unlearning process that has to happen. Yeah, I'm just so happy you're creating that space for people. It really is. It's another facet of our lives where we need to bring this attention and curiosity to. Absolutely. 
Well, and the other thing that you've done that I really want to make sure we talk on talk about because I thought I would, you know, again, one of the reasons I, w- I was so grateful to come to these classes is to see the ways that you do accommodate for, and I did all my classes virtually, so it was all through Zoom, even in that environment for different body abilities. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. Like, how do you accommodate different bodies? Like I said at the beginning of our conversation, it's not just about plus size people, right? People that it could be an injury, it could be somebody in a very small body that is suffering with something that you don't know about, right? So it's not, first of all, it's not just to assume that people of a larger size need certain accommodations. It's that all people in all sizes might need accommodations, right? Um, So we... we like to train in a way it's like, here's how you do a squat. Here, here are the muscles that you're working in a squat, but here are five other ways that you can also work these muscles. So if a squat is not for you that day in that moment, you can choose amongst these other exercises that are going to target the same part of your body. Um, and to not wait until somebody asks for that or until you realize that somebody needs that, it's just, you're just showing it right off the jump. Like here are five different exercises you can do in this moment. If none of those work for you, feel free to literally do whatever you like, of course. <clears throat> but just always providing options right from the start and rather than somebody feeling like they need to be like, oh, I can't do that or I need something else. It also gives people the opportunity to try different exercises. <clears throat> Sorry. And... And just decide what that they like one more than the other, you know? Like sometimes I would rather do a wall sit than a squat. And just for no reason, I just prefer it right now, you know? So to always give those options. Yeah, which is, I mean, that is a hallmark of anti-oppressive space is to return the power back to the individual as opposed to I'm the fitness instructor, I'm the expert, you have to do it this way or else you're doing it wrong, which is often what happens in fitness spaces. You must do it this way. So you're flipping it and you're bringing it back and giving choice and power back to the individual. And I saw, I mean, again, I experienced this and and I, I really, really appreciated it because I got to try like certain movements in w- different ways that I had never done before. And also I felt fully like full of permission to just kind of be like, oh, okay, I don't actually want to do this exercise. I, my body kind of wants to do something else. And I felt like I could totally just do it. And it was okay. It wasn't like I was going to be in trouble or like a bad student or anything. There was just so much freedom of choice. Yeah. And I learn a lot as an instructor watching people when they, when you have a room full of people who know that they can choose what they're doing in any given mo- moment of any class, I'll like watch the screen and I'm like, oh, that's a cool movement. There was an example of that. Yeah, we were doing squats and someone was doing the squat, like almost like a sumo squat. Then they stood up and they kind of like, like did a little round with their hips. And you were like, oh, that's great. That's going to be great for my back. So my back gets a bit sore. And I, I was like such a moment. And I remember thinking, oh, this is because there was freedom for the person to do what they wanted, which then created this reciprocal learning environment for everybody, including the expert instructor. It happens all the time that I, I see somebody doing something and it could be like, say we're doing a lower body circuit and it's a bunch of lower body exercises. And then I see somebody that's doing a shoulder press instead. 
And then it makes me go, oh, and if your legs have had enough of this, someone's like doing a shoulder press, feel free to do literally whatever you want, right? Like, it makes you realize as an instructor, like, oh, someone doesn't want to be doing this much lower body. So they're choosing to sub in an upper body exercise. That is learning for me. Right. And yeah, and it's really heartwarming to see people just start to take the control of their own workout. Yeah. I often say I am here to guide you through something, not to like put you through a strict program. I'll guide you through it, but figure it out as you go, do what you want, stop when you want to, go fast, go slow. Yeah. Well, and again, I, if, if I again pull it back to the higher level, which is what I think, you know, is what you're doing is you as the instructor, let's just say as the expert, are not taking it as any type of reflection on your ability, your expertise. You're not bringing your ego in. Oh, if someone's doing, you know, chest press or some chest movement, arm movement when I'm doing legs, am I wrong? Should I have changed this? Like suddenly we make, like we tend to make it all about like we've done something wrong, which then makes us defensive and a little bit angry at the person who's doing it differently. It's like a classic thing that happens in instruction settings. And you're saying, no, 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 hang on. I'm actually going to just really trust the people who are here. I'm not going to make it about me. It's not about my, you know, (laughs) am I a good or a bad instructor? I just want people to really be empowered. So again, like there's a power shift here that's really important. I mean, we think about this all the time in the writing studio. It's like, how do we bring the power back to our participants? So I, and I just, I'm so, I like, I felt it in your classes and it felt really good. Yeah. And then like the same thing, but from the client's standpoint is for them to not come into a space and think that I'm the powerful one, that that the instructor is here and, you're here, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That again, that just kind of deconstructs so much of what we've been taught, which is good. That's what we want to do. Isn't it amazing how like in a simple, like a quote unquote simple, like in an, in an exercise class, in a movement class, that all these layers can be actively deconstructed if we're intentional about it. I'm always amazed by how much we can actually do because most of the time, as everyone who's listening has heard me say, most of the time I kind of hate everyone and everything because of like our systemic oppression world and I'm frustrated all the time and I'm filled with rage. But then this is, I think, why I've created the podcast is I'm talking to you and I'm like, oh, yeah, right. There is so much we can do. These little changes, if we choose to get a little of our comfort zone, think a little differently, educate ourselves, we can create spaces that are anti-capitalist, that are not white supremacist spaces, that are rooted in disability justice, that are rooted in fat liberation. And it's not super difficult you just have to think about it and do it intentionally yeah absolutely another uh big thing along those lines is the space that people are in to one give people full full permission to never turn their camera on if they don't want to i was gonna say i didn't turn my camera on at all and i'm thinking i'm sitting thinking about that but i was amazed how many people did have their cameras on so and that's where i'm going with this is we give people the space to turn their camera off and I've some people I've never seen who's on the other side of it um but it doesn't matter what you're wearing you sh- I, you should see what you probably did see what I wear to class like sometimes I'm I'm almost done with wearing a bra forever I'll tell you that much <laughs> but like we're not we're not showing up in our $200 yoga pants and our perfect matching outfits and 
our hair done and a perfect curated gym space, you know? Um, and it shows the clients that like, you don't need to have that either. You don't have to have a home gym. People are in their kitchens. People are beside their beds. People are in their messy kids room, you know, like there people have family in the background. There's all sorts of different environments. I loved your dog. You had to like, your dog wanted to play with you so badly when you were on the floor. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that's new. I'm trying to see if she can learn how to, she has learned how to behave when my husband's working and just lay in the background like a nice dog, but he doesn't lay on, he doesn't roll around on the floor when he's working. So. I mean, she's probably like playtime, but you know what? Then she sat on the couch and she was amazing. I was like, and I just loved having like a dog in the space with us. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like just showing like, these are our home lives. Like for sure there are limits. You're not going to see my partner naked in the background, hopefully never. But to just show people that like, you don't have to have X, Y, Z to like, to be able to do a good workout at home. Yeah. Well, and I also think too, you're taking away the performative aspect that is often in fitness space. It's like you said, like, do you have the matching Lulu set with the, I don't know, like all the things. I don't know. I'm, I'm so out of touch now because I haven't done that in so long, but like just that performance piece of it has to look a certain way. I must be like Instagram, you know, photo ready. And yeah, I am curious. Do you, I am curious about why I, because I'm pretty open, but it was funny. I had like a whole thing around, I wanted to leave my camera on and then I didn't. What have you heard from people? Have you talked with people about that? Like, what do you think's going on in my head, Jenna? <laughs> Fix me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I think people feel more free to move their bodies the way they want to and take breaks when they want to and do what they want when I can't see it probably because it is very normal for this instructor to go like, Hey, Sophia, what are you doing? Yes. Ooh, you just triggered something for me. Yeah. Like, Oh, oh are you taking a break? That's okay. But even that it's like, if someone's sitting on their chair, just let them sit on their chair. You don't have to be like, Oh, so-and-so. I think you just nailed it. I've been thinking about this for like a week and I think you just, you did just fix it because my body has been so scrutinized for decades in like sports spaces and physical activity spaces. Like I've, I've had people, literally I've had like, I'll never forget this one yoga teacher come up to me and like stand in front of me and just look at like literally scan up and like up one side of my body and down the other and being like, hmm, what am I going to do with this? And I was so like commodified. I was an object. I was objectified. That's the word I'm looking for. And I think... Yeah, even though I feel so safe in your space, I think that's what it is. It's like the ability to to choose to not be objectified. Not that you ever would, but I wonder if that's what's going on for me. Because I really was like, I live my life very publicly. Like I do, I do a lot on video, but there was something that I was like, I had an inner resistance and I just trusted it. And I felt like I could just trust it and be with it. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think that's a big part of it for a lot of people. I think another part of it is home life, like whatever is going on around them or behind them. If it's kids, if it's partners, if it's animals, if it's their place, if their place is messy and they think that they're going to be judged for that. Like, I think there are a lot of reasons somebody might choose to keep their camera off. That's why we just like allow it. We don't like ask questions. 
Um, and you didn't. There was no calling out. Like you, you weren't like, "Hey, Sophia, why don't you turn your camera on this time?" You didn't do any of that. And thank you for that. <laughs> no, I would never. Sometimes I will remind people. I'll say something like, "Everybody that I can see looks great, but if I can't see you, please let me know if there's something that you need. If you need another demo, if you have questions, just so that they don't feel completely alone. If I can't see them." I want somebody to be able to even just type in the chat and go, can you just demo that one more time so that I can make sure I'm doing it right? You know, um, because when I see people doing things that might need an adjustment, I still won't say, oh, hey, so-and-so, you need to step your leg back further or you need to do this or you need to do that. I'll just do another demo. Hope that they catch on. But most of the time, if they don't catch on, like it's not the end of the world. It's fine. Yeah, well... And I want to talk about another moment because I thought this was really powerful too. Again, like I'm feeling just so safe in the space that you've created, which I've not really felt. So I want to speak about this other moment that I thought was really powerful, which was, so it was the 90s Zumba. Hello. That was amazing, by the way. The music, I was so excited. But I had done the boxing class, I think the night before. And because I was feeling so good, Jenna, and... I'm still figuring I I basically wasn't active for two years because of massive bleeding from endometriosis. I was basically like kind of bed bound for two years. I was able to work and nap, work and nap, and that was it. So my so I'm still figuring out like what is my body's ability now as I'm kind of coming back to movement. But I was feeling so good and I did the thing that always happens when you feel good as you push too hard. So who's the is it Amanda? Who was the boxing? Megan, Megan. So Megan, she was, oh, she's great. So I was having so much fun. I love boxing. It always makes me feel so strong and like Xena warrior princess. And she did the thing where you like, you move your feet like really fast, like too fast feet. And I was like, oh, I think I can jump and move like that. And so I, so I hurt my knee a little bit. Not anyone's fault except for my own enthusiasm. And so the next day was the Zumba, but I didn't want to miss it. So I was like, you know, Jenna told me I can do stuff from a chair. So I did chair Zumba, which again, I have never thought was something that was possible. And can I say, I was so happy that someone else was doing it from their chair and they had their camera on. So I was kind of like following them. So another class participant and the instructor, and it felt like, oh, wow, I can still participate with just my arms. I can be part of this group. I can partake in the music. I can feel really good about it. And that was another really big moment of, again, really pushing what is, again, I hate this. Why am I using this word? But again, I'm so brainwashed. But like what is allowed in the space. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to start by saying Megan also does fast feet from a chair. <laughs> You know, and that is what, what I should have done. A hundred percent. Yeah. But I was just like, I can do it. I can do it. And I was like, so. <laughs> and sometimes it happens. And like, the important thing is that you caught it right away. And you were like, I probably overdid it. And I'm going to sit down rather than trying to push through another class from your feet. Right. Um, we actually do have chair Zumba on our schedule as well, that it is a half an hour Zumba class and it is actually all from the chair. So we have that as like a full option. Um, I often tell people that when I do Zumba, I cannot follow the feet and the upper body at the same time. So I'm, I am often I'm choosing the top or the bottom to follow and I'm just watching, just watching the feet or just watching the upper body. So yeah, anytime 
anytime you want to like split it in half, <laughs> then just follow, just follow what the instructor's upper body is doing. Yeah, for sure. But I'm glad I'm glad you came in and you were able to make that accommodation for yourself too, without somebody saying, "Oh, but you can do it from a chair." You just decided that. I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm normally like a really good student. Like I want to follow what's been given. And I think part of the journey that I'm on, that I'm in now, I think is a deeper trust of my own body's wisdom at a, at a deeper level. Like I'm really trusting that, yeah, I can host a podcast that's listened to by thousands of people around the world. Like that's been a huge leap for me to like trust that I have something to offer. And it's the same thing in that moment with choosing to still show up and do it from a chair. Yeah. And that doesn't make you a not a good student. That makes you a better student. I want my students. Yeah. When I see somebody make those adjustments for themselves, I'm like, that's the best student. Because they just decided to do that. That make nothing makes me more proud as an instructor than somebody who just decides to do what works for them. I think that you're a bad student if you push through it and harm yourself, right? Because no one, you know, no instructor should want that. Yeah, but it's just it's so interesting to me to see the way the growth, like that you said too, that's still ongoing, is showing up. The same kind of growth edges like as running a podcast, as doing some of the coaching stuff I'm doing, as showing up in a fitness class. Like it's, it it really is. It's all always like those edges are being explored and, you know, moved forward. And it was really, it's it's just been really neat to experience that within your space, within the, the Bopo Fitness space. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe one day I will keep my camera on. We'll see. We'll see. But I'm not going to like, it doesn't matter. Right? No pressure. <laughs> the only one who has to have their camera on is the instructor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All good. So the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, because I just think it's so like, it's perfectly relevant. Although by the time this airs, I think your baby will be here. What's it been like being pregnant? running a business, teaching fitness classes, movement classes, being a fat pregnant person. Like I just imagine there's been so much. Do you have any like thoughts, takeaways? Cause that's a huge thing. That's like a whole separate podcast episode. But if there were like a few things that you could distill, I'm just so curious about what that experience is like for you right now. Pregnancy has been rough for me. I It, it has also made me really opened my eyes to how glamorized pregnancy is uh, on social media and in the world. And then probably parenthood is the same, totally glamorized. As a stepmom, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's been shockingly hard for me. I've been really sick uh, right from like week six. Like when you're, when people start to get sick, it's it, sick. It started on that day. Week six, I'm in week 30. I'm still sick. If somebody had told me on week 10 that I would still be sick in the third trimester, I would do not know how I would have gotten through this. It's better not knowing. <laughs> um, and then at the same time, and this is a whole other topic for another day, is I got pregnant through IVF. So navigating the fertility world as a fat, as a fat person um, and even just as a person with fucking ovaries, like they treat you like shit and they treat you like you're a number because you are paying a lot of money to do this. So 
And then it's that we talked about this before we started recording the the guilt that comes along with not with complaining about pregnancy and not enjoying it, especially when you've gone through what you've gone through. If you do fertility treatments to get there, you feel like you should be thankful that you're able to be where you are. And I am, but man, it's hard. It's hard. Um, I have an amazing business partner, Kat, who has stepped up and taken on a lot of the load when I can't. You sleep a lot. You nap a lot when you're pregnant. <laughs> um, and then fantastic instructors that have stepped in and taken over a lot of my classes in times that I haven't been able to. And then clients who did know early on because there was a period that I was canceling my morning classes because I couldn't stop throwing up. And then after like three weeks of that, I was like, hey, I feel like I should at least tell this group that is signed up for the 7 a.m. class. And I'm like, I can't call them at 6.50. They must know something's going on, right? So I'm thankful for everybody that has been so supportive and understanding because I do not know how people do it who work like in the corporate world and have to like stand up and be some big boss and wear certain outfits and present a certain way and commute to work and take care of families at the same time. Like it's all of it is just way too much. And it has really opened my eyes to, to how much more support people should have when they go through something like this. Totally. Totally. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then are you, because you run your own business, the other part of this is like, you don't get paid mat leave. Like, so what, (laughs) (laughs) how are you going to navigate that? So my wishful thinking and like everything is so unpredictable. Obviously I didn't predict that my pregnancy would be hard. I didn't predict it would take what it took to get here. Um, So without, Without being naive, I hope to take off the summer. I'm due May 10th. Um, I hope to take the summer off teaching, but still be able to like meet with my business partner once a week, uh, twice a week, and just kind of build on that, but not committing to a schedule, like the class schedule, at least for the first few months. And then my partner, luckily, works for the government. So he gets paternity leave. So we're, we're doing things... We're doing things a little unconventional, which fits right in with our lifestyle. So that's fine. Uh, so after I've been off for the first couple, three, three four months, uh, he's going to take a year off. Oh, he gets to take a whole year. That's so good. Yay, Canadian government. Yeah. So I'm going to trickle my way back in how I see fit. And he's going to take the time, the full time off work. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting, uh, interesting summer and situation to navigate, but I feel like we'll be able to do it. Yeah. So good. I realized there were, thank you for sharing all that. I think it's just so interesting to see that there are different ways to, to, to do the whole pregnancy birth after what happens after thing as well. Again, I think for so many of us, we don't know that there are alternatives because we've just been shown a certain way, kind of the glamour way of birthing and parenting. And so even just hearing, oh, he, you know, the partner is going to take a year off. He can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you never know also if you're going to be able to breastfeed or not. And some people don't, some people don't even have that option to breastfeed, but there are always, I've been just starting to like trickle into reading about that. Like there are ways that all of that can still happen without me. Oh yeah. Good. Cool. Yeah. 
there's one more thing I wanted to mention before I ask you about, about joy. Um, and it was something we talked about in our very first kind of like, should we do a podcast episode conversation? And I just want to shout it out because I, I think this is a really cool thing that you do, which is that a lot of your instructors, I think, are you, or you, you know, you encourage people who come to your classes that if they like it to go and then get certified as opposed to kind of looking for certified fitness people first. And I, the reason I'm saying this, I'm, I'm probably saying it not correctly, is that all the instructors that I saw, like none of them were the classic thin, like influencer style fitness instructor. And I really liked that. Um, so I also liked that even the instructors are kind of living these types of values and a little like, yeah, antithetical to what we often think of as like the fitness instructor. Yeah, we are very particular about who we who we take on board. Um, there are a lot of instructors out there who say I'm body positive just because they're maybe on the bigger sides of straight size. A lot of people say they're body positive, but they you know sell supplements or do diet plans that are not diet plans, and it's a tricky uh, it's a tricky world to navigate for sure. So we're very particular about who we bring on. Um, we have said from jump that it will be easier for people in our community who have interest in fitness to get certified because they were already in our community, already know what we do, already know how we teach than to try to find a personal trainer out there who's in the fitness world, but maybe wants to be body positive because they see that it's a thing right now. You know, it's like it became a fad and everybody's like, oh, we're body positive here. But when you look a little deeper, they're not, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, so like the very, very first instructor that we brought on, Annie, they were a client of mine, a personal training client, and a, they were always a runner and they took interest, got certified as a trainer, and then they were a big part of our team. Um, same with Kizzy. Kizzy was a Zumba instructor, but also had a full-time job um, and had an interest in teaching fitness. So she got certified as a trainer and now she works with us full time. So to find, to find people and encourage people who are already like living the fat liberation life and believing it and understanding it. And then also have an interest in fitness to explore that rather than the other way around. Yeah. 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 Just another way you're really living those values. I just think is so great. Especially again, especially as a business owner. Yeah. And wanting to run a different type of business. I just think you're the best, Jenna. I really have loved. I've really, I'm actually on, um, I get a little kind of little mini little bonus thing from Firefly because I'm running a full retreat this weekend. So we have these like, it's I'm sharing Firefly secrets, but it's, I want to highlight it again because it's an example of a business doing things differently. So when I, whenever we read lead retreats, we get a little $75 at, that we that is just given to us, gifted to us. And it's called the fill your hump. <laughs> fund. And so you get to get yourself a little treat. So I'm going to get, I want to get another like batch of classes from you because I just want to keep coming. I feel so good in the space. So I will continue. So I want to come to joy. The last question of the, every podcast episode I do. So like, how do you 
turn towards joy, choose joy. For some people, it's a practice. For some people, it just kind of like surprises them. Just what's your relationship to joy? My relationship to joy. Hmm, the, I don't want to sound like, oh, it's so cliche. But literally just listening to me, listening to what I need and what I want all of the time. I'm really good at that now. And again, going back to the pregnancy, like I've been really good at just honoring what my body is telling me without telling me like, and just being okay with it. Um, and, and spending a lot of time just in my own little like nest, I guess my job is so out there and public and with people all the time. So I find joy in retreating from that. Like I, and it, that does not mean that I don't love what I do and love all the people I talk to all the time, but my alone time right now is so joyful for me. And laying in bed with ice water is just not uh, <laughs> <laughs> with ice water. My version is um with my heating pad. I love my heating like I'm in a relationship with my heating pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just the, even the comfort, not even because of soreness. Like sometimes it's soreness, but the warmth and yeah. It's true when you make I always joke I make my living by talking. And so when I'm in my like downtime, like I don't really want to talk. I want to just be cozy and watch Netflix and let them do the talking or like reading or whatever. Yeah. 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 So that's where I'm finding my joy right now in my solitude, which I won't have for much longer. So. That's true. Oh my God. So every minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, that's so great, Jenna. Well, best of luck. I don't know. What do you say to someone who's about to have a kid? Best of luck with the pregnancy? Is that know. a thing? <laughs> I don't think I would say that. I would, I would, I think I would say... Mm, may you continue to trust your body and follow its wisdom. Yeah. I think now that I've gone through this and haven't gone through the other side of it yet, I would say to people, you're going to be okay. Yeah. You're going to be yeah. okay. Like, you're going to be okay. And it's scary. Yeah. I can imagine. I had brunch last weekend or the weekend before with a friend who is she's doing April. So pretty soon we weren't even sure if we were going to be able to like, cause she's kind of on bed rest sort of, but I was sitting beside her and her, the baby was very active and I was, she was like, feel, feel. And I was just feeling this and I felt it before, but it's been years since I've I think felt a pregnant belly and it, like this alien moving inside of her belly. She's like, isn't it so weird? I'm like, and then I of course was, you know, un, I shouldn't have said this, but I did, which was, oh my God, are you worried about the umbilical cord? She's like, I can't think about it. I worry about everything all the time in every moment. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry I said it. Let's go back to our eggs, or like our, <laughs> your eggs, Benedict. But it was like this whole, it's so strange to have a baby inside of you like that. It is. And it's true. You do, And it's like, I guess maybe pregnant people don't talk about it to not pregnant people because I don't know why would they and you wouldn't understand it but you do worry about everything all of the time and I did not know that was a thing I always thought it was like I worried about getting pregnant and then I thought I'd be like oh yeah I'm pregnant and I'm so cute and I'm like no your head never stops thinking about what could be happening what could go wrong and then I then now parents say to me and then you'll feel that way for the rest of your life with the kids it's true yeah well she's a labor and delivery nurse so it's like she, she almost knows too much yeah yeah uh, one day at a time one, one day, day at a time because you know what <laughs> you're gonna be okay yes thank you thank you <laughs> i'm so honored that we 
spoke and that I get to share you with whoever's listening, all the people who are listening. And um, of course, I'll share links to Body Positive Fitness and all kinds of other goodies on the show notes. And I just hope more and more people find you, Jenna, and the work that you're doing, because it's really, really healing to be part of your fitness classes. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Before we go, I'd like to read a poem because poetry can reach our hearts in a different way. Poems can have us feel in a different way. And that's what this podcast is all about. Expanding our hearts, deepening our empathy, and inviting in joy. So each week, you get a new poem. My conversation with Jenna about movement was all about unlearning what we've been taught about fitness and exercise and instead giving ourselves full permission to move our bodies differently, to move with our bodies, with trust, and also with what's true for our bodies in any given moment. And so that had me thinking about this poem called Students of Movement by Kiloha. Thank you for joining me today. My hope is that you're feeling a little less alone and a little more seen. So until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram at fatjoy.life, on YouTube at youtube.com slash at fatjoy, and on Substack at fatjoy.substack.com. And please do check out the episode notes for how you can connect with my amazing guest and for the links to the poem. All right, lovely. I am sending you off with my best wishes for an abundantly fat joy day. And we'll talk again soon.